Hey everybody, it's Andy, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the world right now. Um, as you probably already know, Roe v. Wade was just overturned by the Supreme Court, which is scary and messed up for a lot of reasons. First and foremost being that a person's right to choose, I mean, it's the right to your own body. And the fact that, you know, a, a small group of people can just decide that, hey, you no longer have rights over your own body it's pretty terrifying. It reminds me a lot of the Republic. I feel like, you know, the US and the Republic share many similarities at the moment, and as we know, the Republic turned into the Empire, and personally, I feel that the US is on its way there, and if we don't intervene, we're not going to be happy. We're, we're going we're gonna to be in a pretty tough situation. Yeah, it's scary. Um, I want to talk about a really cool GoFundMe that was started by a group of Star Wars fans. It is the What Choice GoFundMe. It was started by Rachel L. and Meg Dowell, two Star Wars fans, and this GoFundMe is going to benefit the National Abortion Federation. You can go check it out at GoFundMe.com slash what-choice or follow them and follow them on Twitter at what choice 22 it's just great to see the star wars community rallying behind this cause you know proactively doing things to help their community and the the community of the wider world so yeah if you can please go and donate to this awesome awesome gofundme they're really really close to their goal i would love to see their goal far surpassed and if you can't donate please share. Sharing helps too. And definitely go give them a follow on Twitter. They deserve it. And it'll be a cool way to stay in touch with like-minded Star Wars fans who are also, you know, rallying behind this cause. To our listeners that are affected by this decision, we see you. We hear you. I hear you. I am in the same boat as you right now. And we're, we're in this together. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future holds, but I feel really lucky to have such an amazing community behind us, us here at the podcast and just within the greater Star Wars community. So thanks a lot, all of you, really. Uh, may the force be with you. Taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you always. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin, Andy, and Wyatt. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a chronological journey from the Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker, one arc at a time, one story at a time. I'm Calvin. I have seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Wyatt. I've also seen a lot of Star Wars, and someday Calvin will remember the new intro. I'm Andy. I've seen some Star Wars. So um... this, this week on First Steps, we watched Kenobi Part 6. We are living in a post-Kenobi world now. He's I don't, not dead. 
have yeah i know but like i don't have star wars to look forward to on wednesday mornings anymore which is you know sad but like god you gotta get into star trek we just have to go until uh you know that break is only going to be for august 31st and then there's a shit ton of star wars coming our way so um that is true yeah we had i mean honestly this year's been fairly light on new, like, premiering Star Wars. Con- I guess we had Book of Boba. Well, but yeah, that didn't but I mean, feel that like was very a, long. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, even then, that was only seven episodes compared to the. I mean, this was only six episodes, but I mean, like, Mandalorian set a precedent of eight. But yeah, it was. It's, I digress. It's over. Yeah. We finished Kenobi. We Who's did. getting Starbucks today, Andy? I decided it's the it's Aunt Brew. Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Um, because she was so funny in this episode. She's so cool. So I decided that she's gonna get a iced matcha green tea, like iced matcha latte uh-huh. with um strawberry cold foam. Strawberry cold foam. What kind of milk does she use? She, I think she probably does almond milk. She seems yeah. like a solid almond milk girl. That's ironic because uh, the production of almond almond milk takes up like so much water. It does. And well, and of the course, Lars are the moisture farmers. And Peru would have blue milk in there. Yeah, famously, that's true. That's true. Andy, you haven't seen blue milk yet, me. but it's just but... a it's a prop from the original Star Wars that Aunt Peru has, and it's just it, I don't know why it became milk. But blue milk is like a Star Wars running joke. Yeah. Oh. Well, then she would use blue milk, probably. Uh, and she'd go, mm-mm-mm, delish. Yeah. yeah. Just a cool oh drink God, for a cool color. girl. It would, be like a, um, it would be like a really nice color, too. It would be like a teal green. Yeah. Because if you because use blue the milk with matcha, that's fun. So I think it would be cool. And then yeah. it would have like the pink foam like sit on top. Oh yeah! Oh, so that's be like, like very like colorful drink. Bringing some color to the drab desert landscape. Yeah. Honestly, we saw the inside of the Lars household a little bit more, and I love that they have plants. Like their their actual yeah. house is so cute. I, I I the the outside's a little meh. Whatever, it's just an igloo. But yeah, the inside's like, very. The igloo the inside, is just a glorified entrance, though. Yeah, I know, but it's what people think of when they think of the Lars homestead. But the inside yeah. is very homey. I. Um, I went to a festival yesterday. It was a like a fantasy festival, like kind of like a Renaissance fair, but like fairy themed. And so many people there. Sure? I was like, you, <laughs> you look sure you like you're pride. No, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Ha ha ha. It was. No, they were. They were real. And I was like, so why is everyone here? They are dressed like this is Tatooine. Like so oh, many. people. So you just I was like. like extras Why? basically yeah no like so so obviously there are people who are dressed like elves and like people who look like they came out of lord of the rings people who do look like they came from cny pride and then <laughs> and then there were just people and i was like extras from uh kenobi <laughs> and it was just so random and i was like i don't know why we've just collectively decided that tatooine could also work in a fantasy setting but it could totally could yeah, so um Kenobi part six. Woohoo. We we open on Tatooine and our angry uh foreman dude from the meat mine comes up and you know cuts in line for a little water stall and he says the exact same line that he said from the beginning. You got something to say? Then Reva shows up and says, Yes, I am looking for a farmer. Yeah, Reva shows up in her hastily improvised festival garb. 
to look like a Tatooine extra. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. But she's also got like, you know, more chaotic hair now. And, you know, she's like kind of limping and like. Yep. I, I got to say, I really wanted Reva to just randomly stab him through the gut with her lights. I, that that would have made me really happy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, he's just a guy. He lives his life. He didn't get murdered. Um, nor did Obi-Wan ever deal like no Obi-Wan didn't go back to the meat market or whatever and help that guy. The story moved beyond those people. Yeah. I was curious whether we would see something similar like Obi-Wan. In any way, returning to bits of his old life, but I guess that at the beginning was meant to show how far off his path he was. Yeah. Even though, I mean, uh, even a, even an even an exile has to eat, so he did have to. He had to get food from somewhere. Yeah. He chose Maybe. not to eat. He chose not to eat the Aopi. We will not be eating Gru in this house. <laughs> Her name is Rue, and I cannot believe you even are joking about that. Um, well, no, I wonder if like if we get like a potential season two, what, could that be like an opening scene, you know, comparing well, back to season one? Like, you know, yes. Obi-Wan, here's Obi-Wan. He is B. He is upholding Jedi values now. He is communing with Qui-Gon a little bit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if they do a season two, it should essentially adapt the Kenobi novel. Like, no no leaving Tatooine. Yeah. But I don't, I honestly don't think they will for reasons that we will discuss, basically, just the whole episode. We have a lovely scene uh, between Roken and Kenobi. Roken's Ro like, we're going to get there soon, but secretly to Kenobi, he's like, yeah, the hyperdrive is fucked. Um, we are not going to last long. We're going to this planet called Tessin. But yeah, and then we see Leia using Lola to comfort um, Corrin, Corrin and Horn. his mom from that episode. Which I do love that they, that Haja did get them out. Like, like we, he did legitimately get him yeah, get them out. We'd already seen that he wasn't lying about that part, but it is nice to sort of have that underscored by those that the the mom and son appearing repeatedly with the path folks. Um, once it was proven that Haja wasn't lying and he actually did know them. I yeah. want to say about Roken. I feel like I wish they did more with him. I feel like he's yes. in so much of this series, like way more than. Like most other, like way more, like Haja is, I feel like he's in it way more than Haja, and yet he gets so little. Yeah, he of well, cause, anything. Cause Tala, you like know his family's dead, and that's it. Because Tala yeah. was the one who got sort of the more interesting things to do. She got to beat people up. She got to tell her backstory. She got to explode very awesomely. And Roken was sort of just the like leader character. Yeah. I would yeah. not be shocked if we see if he showed like, up in Andor. Yeah. Well, in yeah. anything, because I mean, yeah. because the actor O'Shea Jackson was so like he had so much fun being. Oh in my Star god, Wars. you should have seen his Twitter so, recently. Like, yeah, he's good. Like, he's a good actor, but it's yeah. like this character has nothing except he moves the plot along by by delivering information. But I'm yeah. like, I would love for him to have some a little bit more. I would love he a got, little bit more. He got handed the exposition ball, which is yeah, unfortunate. He's, he's got the he. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's now or later when Kenobi's like your leader, Roken, you need to stay yeah. like this. But like that is definitely like I can see him being. Oh, I thought he was going to die future. 
after that. Well, we can talk about that talk, but I thought yeah. Broken was about to die because of that. Anyway, so anyway, that was cute. We love yeah. Lilea. Lilea is such a boss. Then we cut to Tatooine. Yes. Yeah. With that man. Yeah. Who was very farmer looking. I appreciated that. That even though we're not doing the sort of like rows of crops and barns iconography, they did cast a guy who like looks like a farmer. Yeah. Um, the other the the guy who Reva asks about uh, a farmer named Owen. So then we get a, a little scene with Owen and Luke in this shop. And, you know, Owen's pretty <laughs> gruff to Luke and Luke is like, Haha, I'm a kid. Yeah, Luke, Luke and Owen with the <laughs> literally. Most, yeah, it was the most like parent and child scene. It, like it just felt like something. Yeah, it was very. It was very natural, but also not very notable. Luke was 10. He broke something. We were all 10 and broke things. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. This actually, this doesn't need to be in the podcast, but one time my sister and I were bouncing a ball around the house and like playing soccer and we knocked something off a shelf and nothing broke. And my mom called upstairs to be like, what was going on? And my sister just looked at me with the most evil look in her eyes and just flagrantly lied about me breaking something. It's just like why it broke the elephant and the wooden elephant was sitting there untouched. So it was not like a lie that was ever going to get me in any actual trouble. It was just for fun. That's cute. Younger siblings are evil. Then we go back to Leia's like upset about Kenobi leaving. And she's acting her little her little heart out. Yeah, she's such a a girl boss. Like yeah, I, she, I love I this love actor. Her. I love this actor. Yeah, she. I want her to play Leia for every age. Now, I would I would watch like just short films, little series about Leia as she grows up with Vivian Lyra Blair playing her as she yeah. gets older. Guys, I want a Leia TikTok. Give me a Leia TikTok. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny as fuck? That'd be such a weird marketing thing to be like, and this is little Leia making videos, vlogging. Um, vlogging the early rebellion. Give it to Ooh. me now. That would be so fucking cute. Sobbing. Um. Anyway. As you know, Disney, Andy's right here. Yeah. Guys, this, Disney. I, this I think is a good idea. Well, maybe when she's a little older or have somebody supervise her, but this actually I think is sometimes Andy's ideas shall we say are a little crackpot but uh mm -hmm. this one i think is like a genuinely good thing disney should be doing yeah put put yeah, her to relate to the teens put her on there put like just do what you do what the stranger things kids did back in the day put her in the little like wired autocomplete interview with 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 you and mcgregor yeah no she's she's great i i like her it felt very in character and also very kid to get insistently attached to the fact that Obi-Wan said he was going to bring her back. Um, even though like she's going back, she is obviously she doesn't want him to die. She's clocked that he's he's going to do the the sacrifice maneuver. But like it's she good. knows that he cares about her. And so yes. she is like pulling every card to get him to stay. Yep. Um, yeah. And then he's just like so insistent with Haja about making sure that he gets her home and he does like I love yeah. Haja which I guess does Haja now live on Alderaan that's a hell of a step up at Maybe, the very least think, he is know? he now has a no, connection I, to Bail Organa I don't think we we see him after uh after Obi-Wan leaves and the path ship escapes yeah um, so we cut yeah, again. He probably got paid a bit like cash money credits um, money I guess <laughs> credit cash credits cash or credit yeah 
Uh, so then we cut back to Tatooine. Uh, Owen and Luke come home and Beru is like, what's wrong? And Owen, because she could tell Owen's normal grumpy face from his worried grumpy face. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love Beru. She like springs an action, goes and gets the <laughs> the hidden black. I got to say these blasters, the little hole that they were in, like I understand hiding your guns from your kids like that is a thing that you should do. Not in a hole that is two feet off the ground that you could easily get into. It it was just so funny to have her be she like, just goes, oh, well, no, she's it like, was... We're, I'm going to get a gun. Like, yeah, she, just, oh, she oh whips God. out the Glock, basically. And it's, yeah. a, it's a gun. Like, it is not like a, like, yes, it's a blaster, but that shit just looks oh, like yeah, a it's gun. A, it's a rifle, yeah, you know. A... I was like, that's so fucking funny to me yeah. that they were I'm like, pretty yeah. sure. Because it's Tatooine. Like, they're not going to have high-tech blasters. They have the rifle blast. And it's still a blaster. It's not shooting guns. Or not shooting guns. Shooting bullets. But... Yeah, I think... I think it's the same. In the original Star Wars, there's a bit where on Tatooine, one of the Larses has that gun. And I actually, it's, it's Luke. He has that gun. He doesn't even shoot it. But it, like, knowing the piecemeal budget of the original Star Wars, it probably just is a gun. Like, or the original rifle. prop, yeah, that maybe got a little bit painted spacey or whatever. Yeah. Or a prop gun, I guess, but like literally just an earth gun. And it is fun to see. I agree with that. And also the the paths, crappy equipment as well. They were basically holding up trash can lids as shields in the last episode. This is this. These are not warriors. These are just some guys. And so are the Larses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is. It's great. I love action hero Baru. Um, oh yeah, I, I mean, like Tala died, but the girl boss did not. <laughs> it lives on. I love, I love that she's that. There's, there's this part where I think Owen's like, oh, like Ben's gone, and Bruce's like, and whose fault is that? And that is so fucking baller because it's like, I don't know. It kind of shows that she is not so like anti. No, she's Kenobi. in the mission. She knows she's uh, in this, it. She's in and it. And this is. I this is like sort of I'm not going to talk anything specifics about the original Star Wars, but I will say that the the Lars family was not depicted in the same way. They're kind of just Luke's annoying parents in the in the in the original depiction. But that was before the prequels were written. So before we know that knew the specific circumstances of Obi-Wan arriving on their doorstep with baby Luke and the story of the fall of the galaxy and Anakin and Padme's tragic end. And so I love that now we see their raising Luke is not just like they obviously choose him. They love him. We see later Owen will like get hit back at Reva when Reva's kind of uh, shitty about adoption while trying to murder him. Yeah. Um. But he they their acceptance of the need to protect Luke from people like Reva wholeheartedly is such an interesting dynamic to these characters who are kind of tertiary to the Star Wars story often, even as important as they are to like the the Skywalker twins, one of them at least, and to appearing in the prequels as Anakin's family. They don't they've kind of gotten the short end of the stick in stories. And this is the first story I've ever seen with the Larses that's really made me get and love them as characters. I am now an Owen Amber Lars Stan. I liked yeah. Owen's I liked Owen's stuff in episode one when he argued with Ben. I thought that was a really good way to 
show his perspective, which is that like he doesn't want Luke to grow up and save the galaxy. He wants his son essentially to grow up and have a good and safe life. Yep, yep. It's I cute. am sad. Like if if there is a note that I have about the series as a whole, I I, I do think that Baru could have made an appearance in episode one. Uh, you know, just like it, we get a domestic scene of establishing Luke and Owen and Baru's relationship, because the only scene that we really have establishing that is this scene in the shop earlier. I, I had this joke with one of my coworkers that like we were going to get a C plot of a, a, just like a regular old sitcom back on Tatooine intercut <laughs> with like the action, you know, heist stuff of the other episodes. <laughs> that would be um. That would be really funny. I, but, I honestly, if if they did a second Kenobi season, I would like to see some of it. Where be, that can yeah. flourish. If we get a, I, I don't particularly want a second season of Kenobi. I think that it was very good as a limited. It was always marked as a six episode. And Kathleen Kennedy says herself, like we have, a, we we went into this intending for it to be a one a limited a movie run. originally, and then a series. Yeah, but if the fans want a second season, then we'll give them that, and that's. Not quite the mindset that I want out of Star Wars. Yeah. It like it, I want you to have a story to tell and not just tell a story because yeah. like we want it, you know. But if Deborah Chow and like the rest of the creative team from this is attached, then I will they go would, back to being dubiously excited. Yeah, they would they have earned the benefit of the doubt with this show because it was quite good. Uh <laughs> I enjoyed it. And it, it really answered all of my like all of the things I was eh about before the series, I enjoyed in the series. Like, we're going to talk about Obi-Wan and Vader's big fight. I didn't want them to have a big fight. And yet, this one was amazing. Yeah. We cut back to uh, the the path ship and has just kind of calmed down Leia. And so Obi-Wan comes back up to talk to her. But she, you know, has growth and accepts this decision. Obi-Wan gives her Tala's old blaster holster, which I love that. And then and Leia is immediately like, well, where's my gun? <laughs> where's my gun? And everyone's like, you're a child. <laughs> you are little. So not, not, not yet. Maybe you know not. that meme that's like, if from Lord of the Rings, it's like, you, you, shall, you shall have my bow and my axe. And yes. then it's Leia popping in with, and my Glock. And my well, Glock. And, and my Lola. <laughs> and my Lola, yeah. And my Lola. Yeah. She, uh, I do like also, so Obi-Wan several times in this series has asked and then repeated Leia's age. She Like, he keeps saying she's 10 years old. And the the time I remember him doing it was he, he was trying to convince the path to go attack uh, Fortress Inquisitorius by being like, she's she's a child. I can't leave her there. And so I really liked the bookend of that sort of running thing with him saying, yeah, you're I'm not giving you a blaster. You're 10 years old, but <laughs> you are you, you won't always be. So this is for the, like, keep be basically I keep being you. You're you are the future. We know because we know she's a Skywalker twin. We know her parents and also, I think the the show is expecting you, not Andy, to know that she's eventually going to grow up to be Princess Leia, played by Carrie Fisher, one of the most iconic characters in cinema. Yeah. And that even even like without having seen the original trilogy, you are aware of that just as a thing. So I think it's a um, fun yeah. in and out of universe sort of like we know where this is going. You're going to be a firecracker. 
uh, you are already, but when you get slightly taller and a little older, you're going to rock the galaxy. That's so cute. That's genuinely oh, She's like... great. Obi-Wan heads out. Yeah, the, the, the path ship farts out a smaller ship that I didn't know they had. And uh, it's not one of the snow speeders. And then they go back to Jabim. Yeah, we can't we, th- we think we get this thing. There's really fun scene between Vader and the Grand Inquisitor where Vader's like, follow the tiny ship. And the Grand Inquisitor's like, but the path matters long, my lord. He's just sort of <laughs> annoyed standing. Yeah, got, like, like, like he he is acting his heart out with that facial expression there. He's just and, like, you know, I'm not going to be the one to question this. You're making yeah, the wrong he decision. To, he but, decided to live that day. Yeah. I I do think like with the introduction of Vader, the Inquisitors got abruptly shafted or like shunted to the side, which makes sense because he is their boss and also he's way better at their job than they are. Yeah. But I do think that it would have been I, I was he sort of got his like and the final statement on the Inquisitors was when he shit talked Reva last episode and she truly broke with them as a group but i do i did feel bad for the like his last scene is just him pouting <laughs> i legitimately do not understand how reva got to tatooine i accept that's that. a good point i accept it but jabim contrary to its legends portrayal did not have any inhabitants that we saw that were not the path so, and vader broke the other transport so unless the path, I guess the answer is, is the path had another ship. She flew there and I'll yeah. accept, I'll accept the hyperspace is the speed of plot for things occurring at the same time. But because that's true in every single Star Wars story. Like the, the yeah, that, that is. A, and that's a nitpick I have about Star Wars as a whole. It's just like hyperspace. Just, it takes as long as you need it to take. There are books where hyperspace travel takes several weeks to months and there are other um and every lore every lore explanation is is increasingly bullshit it's just a thing it's they're playing it's a tropey franchise it takes how long you need it to that's what literally like pablo hidalgo and and the the story folks say that like it's 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 built into star wars you don't have to think about hyperspace we'd actually prefer you not I'm not I, I, I am not at all disparaging. Close. Yeah, no, I'm just I I I I think this is honestly one of the worst offenders of it. Yeah. But it, it is necessary to have everything occur in this 45 minute TV episode. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you know, hyperspace, if it takes uh, some time to get from Jabim to Tatooine, uh through hyperspace, then like Obi-Wan can just be having a vision of the future. You know? Yes. No, it's fine. Uh, and and I honestly don't think we're really intended to think that these are happening at the exact same time. And I mean, it's just, also, I, it's I just mean, intercut for drama in a notable yeah. other piece of Star Wars media. We're not intended to realize that those things that that two storylines happen at the exact same time, even though they are cut together. Yeah. Yep. Another that's the most famous hyperspace one. Is yeah. The one you're talking about, I believe. Yeah. But um, yeah. It's still not fucking raining on Jabim. No. <laughs> they don't like you, Wyatt. I, I just, I think it's so funny. It was the rain planet. Now it's the rock planet. That's fine. It's the rock planet. The fights between 
Vader and Obi-Wan and between Reva and Owen and Beru. I also I think Owen's goal is to keep Luke as stupid as possible when it comes to Jedi, Sith, galactic shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Owen wants this is consi- this is consistent from the beginning of the series. He doesn't want Ben anywhere near them and he certainly doesn't want Luke finding out about Imperial Inquisitors. Yes. Um like and honestly like I guess it's possible that I mean they know what's happening basically. The the, the Inquisitors were here. Uh, the Larses know that somebody with a red lightsaber who possibly works for the Empire is coming to kill Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I like the only people that uh, one has seen with red lightsabers were inquisitors so that's a a good and um, who announced themselves and their goals yeah hi we're here from our swanky black angle (laughs) ship we are here for murder obi-wan lands on jabim vader follows him let's talk about let's talk about the two fights individually yeah let's do obi-wan versus vader first yeah because it's the one yeah. that's like yeah. interesting um but, yeah because the uh, it's two separate emotional climaxes wow just wow really excellent like w- we open up with it, the dialogue that mirrors like the crap, di- but it was very good yeah I, yeah i'm i'm down on the visuals for this i know it's the volume the like new tech that they did for shooting on locate on a uh, stage but for some reason the lighting looked the the red and blue of the sabers great the the rest of it was so brown it was was very dark it was a very dark yeah i i had that thing that same thing that like would happen during game of thrones where i'm like i can't fucking see what's happening like why is it so goddamn dark I, i just i wish there was a little bit more dynamic lighting either from and i know that's hard to achieve they would have had to actually shoot it on location or really amp up the environment. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, it really accentuates, as you said, it really accentuates the, um, you know, the ending moment of the fight when we have the saber colors actually yes. the illuminating saber their faces. The color stuff is fantastic. It's my yeah. favorite we, we, new- we, we can talk about yeah. that later on. Um, let's see. They st- it starts with them uh, shit-talking each other, as yeah. you must do before a lightsaber duel. Yeah, Obi-Wan which, says his line from Revenge of the Sith. He says, Vader I will do what I his, must. Then you will die. And it's that great. That is not from Revenge of the Sith. That is from Redacted. In Reve- I looked this up because I did like a whole fist pump about it when it happened. Then you will die is said on a certain pyramid and to a certain person. And because in Revenge of the oh. Sith, he says, you will try, because he's cocky Anakin. Well, you know what? They sound like each other, and I yeah, haven't... No, I, I had to check. watch Revenge of the Sith in a hot sack, so... Um... I had to check, because uh, I was also like, holy shit, it's that line. But it then is, I realized, you will try. Yep. Damn, and, I've been misquoting that scene for a while, I think. It's fine, because I recognize the James Earl Jones, the then you will die. Yeah. Is is, a, is something he will say, I guess, for us in the future, but in uh, in my life in the past. All right, um, we can we, we can stop saying, talking about yeah. that. But um, also, then he does the stance. He does the thing. Yeah, he does the lightsaber stance. Yeah, which oh, is sexy. See, you were waiting for the hello there at the end of the episode, and I've been I, waiting no, for I the wasn't. stance. I, I thought it would be fan servicey, but it was the right kind of fan service. The hello there was. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, but. So then they start fighting and we get I really love that um 
it, both uh, in the Anakin Obi-Wan flashback in the previous episode and right now we're getting just like the things that they know to do because they're so comfortable sparring with each other. We get the back to back stuff. We get the chasing each other across stuff. We it's just like it's some of the same moves, but the stakes, I feel like, are so much more heightened now. And they've also each lost a step. I think even as powerful as Vader is, he doesn't move as well as he used to. And Obi-Wan is still three days off having not been in the force for several years. So even though Vader even comments like, oh, shit, your your skills are back. You're doing the twirls again. But the weakness is still there. Yeah. So I like I really liked the choreography of this duel. And I, I know a lot of folks wanted like Vader and Obi-Wan in a modern setting to like do the prequels and just to mm-hmm. do a ton of stuff. And I think they honestly did enough of the prequel style of like very fancy saber dueling but also accounting but also, for where their characters are. At, but also, um, I loved use the, the use of the force to just hurl objects at people. Mm-hmm. L- yeah, like, Ky- that is not something that we see a lot in the prequel trilogy, <laughs> and it reminded me of... It reminded me of something different, which is that my partner, Kaya, when we're watching The Clone Wars, talks frequently about how their main use of the force would be to yeet things. Uh, they think that Jedi are not throwing stuff enough. They think they should be throwing each other more, throwing their sabers. So I was laughing about as Vader just goes one rock after another. And Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan then one ups him by levitating the rocks and beating the shit out of him. bending style. Yes. Your meme was good, Calvin. I said your meme was good. bending style. It is my probably my least favorite bit of animation in the show when they have Katara do the peanuts face, but uh, it's very funny. Yeah, but like that's supposed to be. That's oh, the know. point of it's that. It's goofy. It's definitely goofy. It's just funny how off model early Avatar is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's wild. Um. So, Vader buries Obi Wan with rocks, and then Obi Wan has this like little flashback thing where he's you know kind of, he's seeing all of his previous fights he's his loss to Darth, or he, you know his fight with darth maul his fight with vader on mustafar and then you know he thinks about what gives him hope which are the skywalker kids and i just want to talk about that like specific moment because there's this one this got me yeah yeah there's this one shot back to right in it's the probably feels. episode three when little leia is doing this like really lopsided smirk and i don't know why this struck out this stuck out to me in this moment as opposed to back it, when it was first seen but that moment was just i saw carrie fisher's face right there and i got really teary-eyed because i am so sad that carrie fisher didn't get to see this yeah, she would have been she would have been so mean on Twitter to anyone who said anything about this child. I would have loved to. I would have loved to. I'm tearing up a little bit. I would have. Carrie's Carrie's untimely death is one of the saddest things that's happened. It's it, it, like in the context of life, but also in the context of the new era of Star Wars. Yeah. And I think it is cool, though, that even with it, they are still telling. She used to call herself because she, she didn't like playing Leia for a while, for like a decade. She really didn't enjoy that that was what she was associated with but then she has this talk a bit where she talks about like being the custodian of leia and the idea and the sort of like symbol that she was to a many young girls and continues to be because so so much of who leia is comes from carrie fisher as a person yeah and and 
the folks working on current Star Wars know that because this is a perfect Leia in Obi-Wan. You like we know this because we we know all of the old performances, but like you, Andy, now are perfectly primed for the character of Leia in the original movies because you've seen this because they get her so well. You're going to look at like 20 year old Carrie Fisher and think about Obi-Wan's version of Leia, this series version of Leia. And that's really cool. It's another it's a it's. I'm just I think that is far and away the the sort of triumph of the series for me. Yeah. The Obi-Wan and Vader stuff is good. You and McGregor's great. They wrote Obi-Wan really well, but them nailing the Leia stuff is just And if they hadn't nailed Leia stuff, then this the series wouldn't it's have terrible. worked. Yeah, it's terrible. If 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 any of the Leia stuff doesn't work, then we're just meandering around for five episodes and then everybody'll talk about the Vader fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing I really enjoyed about that moment is, I don't know, I feel like for me, like, I don't really know that much about the force. And so I feel like that was a cool moment of. This is what the the light side of the force is. It yeah. is you're drawing strength from your the, exactly. the loved ones that you have, but not just the loved ones, but like what you're fighting for. Yeah. What and gives you the, hope? Yeah, what the thing that gives you hope is like, like that was very cool. I think it's such um, a good way to also to tie the generations together, because I've talked about uh, on the Bad Batch stuff, especially about how about the kids of the Clone Wars and the new sort of children of the Empire, and we're seeing a new ver- like the 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 childhoods of Luke and Leia as sort of in this changing galaxy, and I think honestly it's going to be a way to really get you invested you Andy is invested in like the original trilogy stuff as like an extent a true extension of the prequels and not just the original movies and then everything was sort of retroactively added to explain stuff like it with the stuff we're doing it it I think it feels more like one story I I I love how Obi-Wan this series is making me think about the original trilogy differently I haven't thought about the original trilogy differently since I was 10 like uh, the, my like thoughts on those movies have been fully formed since I was a child, even with seeing the prequels. And now they're making me take a look at like the Larses differently, at Obi Wan in the in the original differently, at Luke and Leia differently. I love it. I want to talk about the moment. Like, yes, the fight cool, fight cool. I want to yeah. talk about Vader's helmet getting yes. smashed open. So Obi-Wan <laughs> manages to free himself. He goes back to Vader and they have another little skirmish. Obi-Wan has his earthbending style moment. Yeah, he Uno reverses Darth Vader. Excellent. Yeah, just hurling rocks at Vader. And Vader can't get, you know, a word in edgewise. At his chest guard, too. Like, he he he's targeted his weakness. Yeah. He breaks his life support system. And Obi-Wan continues to break his stuff until he smashes the, I think it's the left side of Vader's helmet. Yes, it is the left side because it, it, yeah, we saw it. We see like this. You can't see this. This is an audio medium. Mm-hmm. I am gesturing at the bit of my face that corresponds to the bit of Hayden Christensen's face. Recognizable as as Hayden Christensen, even yeah. though he's a, he's a melty blob at this point, which impressive work by the makeup team. I yeah hit it Andy 
So, so this happens, and because there's a lot of great lines that happen. Yeah, Anakin is gone. I am what remains. But then, <laughs> and that's then such a, that's such a spicy line. I love it. Obi Wan says, "I'm sorry, Anakin," and he's for all of it, and he's crying. And the thing, so so Calvin and I both went to acting school, and one of the things that I can't remember what professor told me this, but there was a professor who said, "Yeah, you gotta hold off crying in shows." Because the moment when you cry, you're like giving it all away. And like, you can't top that. Like once you cry, there is no, you have no, you cannot, there's no way to push that further. Like crying is like the height of not like emotional, like vulnerability, but you know what I mean? It's like, once you start crying in that scene, like you don't want to cry in the middle of the climax. Yeah. You got to pick like the most important moment. And that's when you can let yourself cry. And that is what I was reminded of when seeing this, because, because Obi-Wan, you know, begins to cry and it's like, we get to see the true anguish that he feels in having hurt having done this to his friend but then darth vader goes i am not your failure and or uh, i'm not your failure obi-wan i almost said anakin yeah he says i'm not your failure obi-wan which is a direct callback to um mustafar when i have failed you anakin i have failed you but it's just i love that this is a continuation of that conversation yeah so so he says i am not your failure obi-wan you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. And it is such a and and I do want to I want to add that during this whole part and like props to the sound editing in this because they included so it's it's both. It's both voices. It's the Anakin yep. voice and the Vader voice because because the mask has been Yep. um we're, you know we're hearing Anakin's real voice with the with the and that was just so good for a couple of reasons to I, I think that I th- I don't I think I might have talked about this in the last episode, but this really married Anakin and, and Darth Vader for me. I feel like it's it's easy to think of them as not separate people, but almost as separate entities. And and even Darth Vader is kind of trying to do that in this scene by saying, like, I killed Anakin Skywalker. But the sound editing and the what we're seeing, we're seeing Hayden Christensen kind of does the opposite of showing us that, that no, Anakin is right in front of us. Anakin is still there. And I think that that is almost more heartbreaking to think of, like, he's. Anakin is just a bad person. Like, and that is the realization that I think Obi-Wan has. I mean, he stops crying and instead just has this look of like shock and not like sadness, but I can't even, I can't even, I can't even describe like the emotions playing out. But just like heartbreak, just absolute heartbreak. It was great. It was so good. This was literally like the highlight of I mean, like a good fight is great. But like this moment of acting was just so 
so wonderful. And I think that that's a really cool thing that Star Wars does is they don't, not to like out action movies, but a lot of action movies like cop out on acting because they're like, people are here to see cool fighting. And I'm definitely here to see cool fighting. I'd be upset if I watched a Star Wars movie and there wasn't a cool fight. But it's not a star piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a star piece. But I will say, like, that's not enough. At this point, like, I've seen a lot of cool fights. I need something more. And this was, like, everything that I wanted from this fight. And I'm really excited. Like, it sucks because it's going to be so long until we see the original trilogy. But I would love to see how Obi-Wan and and Darth Vader interact later on. Yeah. I will just back to the discussion about Anakin and Vader. We talked the last time we recorded, I believe it was, about choices and Mm -hmm. Anakin's choices. Because we were talking about him seeing him try to kill Reva in the flashback. And... I love like I love the dramatic irony like you're talking about of the Anakin is has is spends years trying or Vader, who is Anakin, tries to spend years convincing himself that he killed Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker was weak. He did not like he needed to get rid of everything who he thought Anakin was. That represents everything that was his his own like failures. That's what he thinks. And he thinks Darth Vader is the better version of himself. But he doesn't really. He's trying to, he has to convince himself of that because otherwise everything he's ever done as Vader is indefensible. Well, if it wasn't, if it wasn't on. worth it, then what was it all for? This is kind of a tangent, but um, I do know, just talking about like Anakin and Vader and like that conflict that he has within himself, I haven't read the comics, but I do know that in the Darth Vader comics, whenever Anakin meditates and just when he's pictured in he's the not force. pictured in, in like, like, yeah, in meditating just in the force. I don't know how else to describe it, but he's pictured meditating in this like volcanic, basically Mustafar landscape representing the dark side. But you see these like blue white butterflies around him that represent those little bits of good that, you know, that Padme saw that you know we kind of saw in this through the lightsaber colors on Anakin's face you know before he kind of gives in to Vader um yeah there is very much still conflict within him which we are seeing here he wants to be Vader and he's he's honestly like that is i think a, a very fundamental thing that makes a good Vader story is not when he wrecks shop and kills people and does all these evil things, but to understand that Anakin Skywalker is not very good at being Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. So he so he overcompensates. He's still a shitty person. This doesn't excuse oh, yeah. his actions. No, oh, yeah, uh, that's he's what I'm definitely saying. a shitty person. But I'm saying that like he. Because he can't convince himself, like because there's still conflict going on in his head, he doubles and triples and quadruples down on the Vader of it all. Mm-hmm. and the and those actions because he thinks that those actions will finally bring he'll finally be able to embrace the dark side fully and bring him peace like but he he's not very good at it he always was a shitty student so (laughs) something quick related to andy's thing about acting is that we have here the two principal actors of the prequel trilogy basically in hayden christensen and and ewan mcgregor and they were both people who got you and you and far less but got criticized for their acting in the prequels 
it, like this was he, excellent acting by Hayden. Yeah. Oh, and, and Hayden especially got torn. He was called wooden. He was called whiny. He was called like a cardboard. Like he was called a bunch of bad names by critics and fans. And he just is fantastic here. He's he's great. And Ewan obviously always could act. Famously had trouble with like the digital filmmaking aspect of it, making his performance not as believable as it could be. But this is his magnum opus as Obi-Wan, like Andy's saying. Like it was it was a technical masterclass in acting. And it it mm-hmm. it turns into a great moment on the like the moment we're looking for. Not where Obi-Wan gives up on Anakin, but where Obi-Wan finally realizes that it like this really was all on Anakin, and this is who he is. Mm-hmm. And he calls him by his uh his Sith rank as he leaves. He calls him Darth. So just like he he if Obi-Wan is essentially meeting him on his level, if you want to commit to, if you think you killed Anakin Skywalker, fine, I won't call you Anakin. I'll call you Darth. I'll call you Darth. It was crazy. It was such a fucking crazy moment. I was losing my mind. Yeah, amazing. Literally I also like that so once good. again, once again, he leaves him there, not finishing him off. I know. But if and he like, did try and yeah. finish him off, we wouldn't, like, you know. Yes, I know why he couldn't, and I also know why he shouldn't. But like it, it, it feels silly. Well, and Obi Wan's it, obviously it's not the Jedi way. Yeah, Anakin said that very at the very beginning of Revenge of the Sith before he killed Dooku. Obi Wan is a Jedi. He does not kill an unarmed opponent. Mm-hmm. And obviously that has that has consequences for the galaxy. But he is sticking to his beliefs and he's sticking to his mission now. They're also just bangers. All the lines were like it just yeah. it was it was it was good writing. This and conversation very good, was like, great. Star Warsy writing. It fits. It fits within the like the linguistics of the of Star Wars storytelling. So time for Tatooine. So yeah, Tatooine. Uh, Riva shows up, and Owen and Baru defend themselves and luke uh, reva manages to get past owen and baru but luke is able to escape not before though my favorite owen line though which is yeah. really and tying back to the organa thing in the very first episode where bail tells leia like you are you are part of our family no no asterisks no ifs ands or buts Reva asks Owen why he fights so hard to defend somebody who's not his kid. And Owen just goes, he is my own. And I love that. It's it was such a good. uh, It's good. Owen, Owen and Baru stuff. No notes. Ten out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is just, again, some fun, you know, good, uh, good, good use of the Lars homestead. Um, I've always kind of noticed that little bridge that's outside of Luke's room. And I, I liked that. Yeah. It's in the, it was, it's in the it cross was just really book. fun. And for me, it was the, it was the cross sections book that was like incredible locations or something that was released when we were kids. And it has this like great artwork of different locations from the originals and showing the entire layout of the Skywalker, that Skywalker, the Lars homestead. And so it was fun to see those as like actual realized things instead of something drawn on a on a piece of paper this big. Also, how cool is that room that Luke has? It's across a bridge. Yeah, it's very it's very you live in the loft or yeah. whatever. Anyway, um, this is all undercutting the emotional. Yeah, yes, we, you know, Owen has great love for Luke and. That is very, very good. And so does Baru. Baru, Whites, and Lars, we stand. Um, then Luke, Luke legs it into the desert. 
into the fucking desert. Yeah. He falls and passes out, which is just hilarious to me. Yeah. He literally falls and knocks himself out, and then Reva's going to go kill him. I thought that was kind of Reva. I thought Reva kind of pulled him with the force down that hill. Oh, and then maybe, he has hit maybe, his head on the maybe way. Maybe he yeah. did. Maybe he did. I think Reva grabs him. that was just him. silly to yeah. me. Like, it's just it fucking is, funny. Well, it is fun. It is like, I will say, this is sort of not, this is not spoilers because we know their lifestyle now, but people joke about Luke being just a dweeb on Tatooine while Leia is like a senator's kid and a woman of action at mm-hmm. a young age. And Luke's just like kicking cans on Tatooine. And so we do have, we have Slow little girl boss Leia. We have little girl boss Leia running around this series, solving problems, going in the vents, and Luke bonks his head down for the count, out for the rest of the episode. But then we get this awesome moment of, you know, we see it goes back and forth from it being Luke to being child Reva and it being Anakin killing the kids to it being Reva trying to kill Luke. She realizes like, oh, I'm doing... You know, the the very thing I, like, wanted to get revenge for. And then, spoiler alert, she doesn't kill Luke. I, yeah. I really, like... Yeah, and, sorry, you say what you want to say about it, Kelvin. Because this is one of the things that I was just kind of thinking about coming out of episode five was that here, Reva is significant, severely traumatized by Anakin murdering her friends, all children. And then he or she is going... At the end of last episode, it was pretty clear that she was headed to the Lars homestead to do something to Luke. And that is what happened. And I love that we have like that specific moment of her reckoning with her own actions, which is a a comparison to a foil to Vader, because, you know, Vader is the one who keeps doubling down on being a shitty person, whereas Breva is able to, you know, move past it. And even in terms of Star Wars, like this is the moment where Reva stops giving into the dark side. She she acts selflessly after that. She returns Luke to the Lars homestead, despite the fact that they should shoot her dead. But she returns him safe and sound and doesn't like she uh, she stops being she was never an inquisitor, but she stops being an agent for the dark side, which she was even in her her her. It would be good for the galaxy if she murdered him, but she was acting out of the same emotions that we are always told in Star Wars are the dark side. So she she knows that Luke is Anakin's kid or does she not? No, know? I do I, not think so. The I words so that either. we got from the voice message that Bale left, the little hologram the voicemail that Bale left was the boy Owen Tatooine. Like what we what Reva knows is there is a connection between Obi-Wan and Bail Organa and therefore a connection between Obi-Wan and Leia. And also now there is a connection between Bail and Owen and Luke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree that I don't think she's she I because I think. I think if they made it explicit that she knew about everything, then I think she would have had to die on the sands of Tatooine. I think the narrative would demand that that remained a secret. And the fact that she lives, I think, means she doesn't know the whole story. How she does, how she knows Owen isn't Luke's dad. I have no idea. So here's my thing. Here's my thing. 
this was really bad. They did a really bad job with Riva's ending. Personally, I think that this was garbage. I was really upset huh. about it. And yeah, I thought that this was shitty and stupid. And that was a cool Dang. moment. And I definitely think maybe they like tried. They got back a little bit of what they were building on. But they really set up Riva to be like this really awesome and interesting character. And then for essentially no reason, she seeks out to kill a child. Because she doesn't know that this kid is... So she doesn't like Anakin. And I guess she blames Obi-Wan. Kind yes, of. That's the... But the person she wants to kill is Anakin. So so because things go wrong with Anakin and she's not able to kill him, she's like, oh, I'm going to now focus on my secondary goal of fucking over Obi-Wan by just killing this random child that I know is somehow important to Obi-Wan. She doesn't know fucking anything about this kid. It does not like, you know what I mean? She has so little to go off of that. She just and I'm sure they're like, well, it's the dark side corrupting her, making her crazy. She's going to like shut the like literally fuck you. I just think that this was so like poorly done. Her motivation for going after Luke and killing him is is so like convoluted and a little ridiculous. And I really think that like. Reeve, they set up Riva to be like a very smart, calculating character that she, yes, she has the dark side and she's corrupted by the dark side, but she's not stupid. She made a stupid mistake trying to go after Anakin so fucking early, but. Yeah, she got and she got baited into that by Obi-Wan. By Obi-Wan. Yes. And Vader points that out to her. And so at least in my mind, that is. She now but, knows about this kid that's important to Obi-Wan. So now she kind of realizes that obi-wan is not i think i think that in what i would assume what i'm thinking happened in the writer's room is they thought up this moment the cool moment that we had with her trying to kill luke and they were like that's really good how can we make that work in our show and then they kind of made all of this this series of events happening so that they we got that moment and it was stupid. It's like there are a million other things that I would do before I'm, I just like hear about this kid. I'm like, oh, I remember o or I remember Owen. So like I'm going to go kill this child. It's just it's just it's a stretch for for Riva, who, except for when she was baited by Obi-Wan, had like literally like plant like. She was always one step ahead of everybody. You know, she put the thing in Lola. She knew where the path was. She knew where everyone was going. She like. So then to just be like, I I have a hint of an idea of like, this kid is important to Obi-Wan. And so like, to be honest, like I, I would seem it much more realistic to go after Leia, to go after Bail Organa, to go after Obi-Wan himself, instead of just being like, I'm going to go to fucking Tatooine. I don't know. It just was stupid. It definitely felt I was it was so like unsatisfactory for me and i just felt like i don't know i was like you really gave your whole like you put your whole pussy into writing this stuff with obi-wan and then for reva this feels like a half-assed slap together ending for a character who who could have been so much more well i will say one thing in response to this is she's not dead which is great yeah star wars has a problem with doing stories like this where they then kill the interesting character. So I think that it is cool that Reva, uh, you can like obviously take 
what take it or leave how much you enjoyed this story for her. But this, I think, is clearly not the end for her. I would be astounded if we never see Moses Ingram on our screens again. Yeah, she is a rock star. She I think had like it seems like she enjoyed doing it. She didn't like she she's it, she's embraced the character of Reva. And I like where they leave her at the end in terms of where her character is once she's realized the like once she is like, oh, no, in my basically in my quest to kill Anakin, I've I have I've come as close as I can to becoming him. And so I liked the thematic nature of her choice not to kill Luke versus we on Jabim, we have Vader doubling and tripling down and being like, I, this is me. So I really liked that. Um, I, I think there have been varying interpretations of Reva's behavior early in the series post reveal that she's not really at all an inquisitor. I've seen an interpretation that she's sort of like overperforming being an inquisitor, like really leaning into like, we're scary aspect of it. Cause she is a bit unhinged in the early episodes. Like she is like very intense. She's cutting hands off. She's seems a little, she seems like she can lose track of, she certainly loses track of the inquisitor's goals. Cause she doesn't give a shit about them. Um, and so I think if you interpret that as she is a little unhinged, it makes the sort of reaction to losing the Vader fight a little bit more. Personally, that was how I saw it is that while she was sort of in the grips of this revenge mission, she was not all there. She could, she could scheme. She could plan ahead. She, she is a a smart and tactical character, but she is really prone to rage. And I think this was the rage consuming her. And because in her mind, she at that point, I like I think what they're trying to have you set up is is Obi-Wan is gone. Leia is gone for Reva's mind. They're on Alderaan. She doesn't know about everything that's happening in this episode with Obi-Wan and Vader being on Jabim and even the, the fact that the Star Destroyer ran them down. She could very easily get to them if she had a ship. She knows one fact about Obi-Wan. I, I, I do think, as Calvin said, that the, the intent is to, that she is now taking her revenge on Obi-Wan. Um, and she knows one fact about it. I agree with you that it is a little contrived that this is the fact that we end up with. No, I, 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 I liked it. And I also, or I didn't, I didn't think it was a disservice to Reva again, crucially because she lived. Yeah. And I, I definitely like where she ended up in the end. Like that wasn't my issue. My issue is that we went from point eight. They were like, yeah, it's, it's good storytelling. It's like, this causes this, which causes this, which causes this. This, is, and I was like, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Yeah. I saw this you, caused this, and duh, of course she's going to do that. And it's like, no. Yeah, you I lost needed, the- I needed the fucking through line. I needed the line of thought, and that was not there. And I wish, and if if this well, were so like a longer series. Is that, yeah. I think it honestly works better in terms of her decision to go to Tatooine, if she knew that they were the Skywalker twins. That's my thing. So, that's why uh, I was like, do them being she know? unclear about that. I think, I think that's sort of the, I think that was what they were faced with though, is that you're, I think you're honestly right. Is that one of the beats that start that like when they were pitching this, the ending was always some sort of a confrontation at the Lars homestead. Mm-hmm. 
And as even with once they had the Leia story, they it was always going to start and end on Tatooine. I, I, I believe that in every when it was a movie, when it was the original writers, every version of this series was always going to end on Tatooine. And I think the balancing of how much can Reva know about the plot of Star Wars, <laughs> essentially, versus their desire. I think, honestly, once they started writing Reva and really got into the character of Reva, not just like an Inquisitor finds the like a very broad strokes description of the ending, is that I think when they wanted to keep her alive, they had to make sure she didn't know the whole thing. And that mm -hmm. muddied everything. So yeah. it does end up ambiguous and in a way that I think because we've seen in this series that the writers don't miss a trick. So there was clearly thought put into all this. I, I think I think you are right that it doesn't come across as well as it could have on screen. Yeah, it just isn't giving like what I need it to, you know? Yeah. Again, though, I do. I do just want to reiterate how shocked I was that she didn't die. Yeah, like I was mm -hmm. I was ready for her to die on the sands there at, at talking to Obi-Wan. I was yeah, I was ready for her to either bleed out or like or I'm get, not, or get not, shot not by ready, the Larses. Not ready or like, like not that I was wanting it, but like mm -hmm. I, I was prepared. So was it. killing Val in Solo. So was killing L3. Star Wars does this. Yeah, they do like, not have is... a great track record with their cool female characters. I mean, there was a reason why every I mean, it was Order 66, but there was also a reason why everybody thought Ahsoka was marked for death in Clone Wars mm -hmm. is that this is just sort of a tropey thing they do. And I am glad that this didn't do it. So, like, I I honestly think I it's weird because I did like Reva's general, like overall arc in the series. I think I will double enjoy it, rewatching it, knowing the like fact that she was always working to kill vader like i think the early stuff's gonna play even more fun but like i honestly now um sort of like well where is she gonna show up next what's her story is this is this the story of reva she goes off into the galaxy and becomes a person what what will she do with her second chance is a, is a really interesting question i think to leave us with see i mean that's that's the series and then like obi-wan meets luke and that's the end uh, well, we do have. Oh, that's not the end. The well, end. We have you're right. You're right. We have scenes. So there, there, there are I forgot. More. There's, there's, you're right. You're right. I forgot. Yeah. There's Leia. There's Qui-Gon. There's okay, Palpatine. Yeah. We cut oh, to Mustafar. So right. And Vader is having a conversation with Palpatine, where Palpatine kind of nudges Vader to um, just stop dwelling on Obi-Wan. Mm -hmm. And a, a good. I, a good consistency with Palpatine. He's always trying to drive Vader away from anyone who he has a, a close relationship with. Yeah. And it's what really, a dickhead. That, that's a very, it's a very interesting moment for me because, I mean, like, part of the dark side, I mean, like, you know, it's, Yoda says it in Phantom Menace, fear leads to hate, hate leads to anger, anger leads to the dark side. And so Vader has this hatred of Obi-Wan right now. And, I mean, like if Obi-Wan and Vader, you know, meet again, they could very well pull Vader towards the light. You know, they could. Yeah, that's but, Vader's or that's, a, that's, that's always Palpatine's Palpatine. fear. Yeah, that's, that's his fear. That's with Palpatine's everyone. fear. But it's so interesting that Palpatine is telling Vader to I guess he's not telling him to let go of his hate. He's just. You know, Kenobi means nothing. Him, he is no one to me. 
he's my like, loyalty is to you, my master. Yeah, he's he's sort of reminding Vader who's top dog and like that you you answer to me if I say if I say you need to stop this, you got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I do think I realized that I Vader looks stupid sitting down. I've never seen him sit down in any piece of Star Wars media ever. And I thought, well, he's been where Empire where he's sitting in his little thing. Okay. But but sitting from the front with the armor and the cape, it looks crunch like it looks he looks a little hunchbacked. And I I, but like you never see he never sits on a throne. He has a throne here. And I think that looks goofy. Although I do. I love Vader's castle. The concept of I prefer it in its other depiction where we see Vader. Yeah. Um, But it was a good I think it was a. I was not bothered by the inclusion of Palpatine, even though I think it was a little. This was sort of the fan service section of the episode. I've been expecting it, though. I've been. I expected it earlier. Yeah. I expected Vader to talk to Palpatine when he began the mission for Kenobi. I I honestly thought it it could have been that Palpatine would prod Vader into doing it just to like get rid of a loose end and get him to give in even further to the dark side. Exactly. But I like how it is this that we that Vader, I mean, that Palpatine probably sensed Anakin's uh, mask off moment on Jabim mm-hmm. and wanted to just like he essentially does a circling back like work slack call. Felt like a disturbance just, in the force. I wanted to follow up with you on that, bro. Exactly. <laughs> sends Vader an email. Yeah. You have to respond. Otherwise you die. Because, yeah, because even I mean, like, even in the novels that take place during this era, they use Palpatine sparingly. Yeah, he's just a he won. He's a weird old guy doing weird old guy Sith things now. Yeah. And and letting his underlings enact his vision. The Tarkins of the world run the Empire. Yeah. Um, Tarkin, Thrawn, Vader, they are the yeah. Masameta. Rampart and Bad Batch, but and then we get the Alderaan scene though. The yeah. Alderaan scene is fantastic. Oh it's my god, so we cute. open with Leia dressing herself. You know, like it's it's not just that she has attendance or that she has you know put someone else in her place as a prank. She is doing it herself, and she is you know putting on the holster and doing her own hair, and it's. She has action boots and fingerless gloves, and she is ready to kill the people. gloves that Obi Wan bought her. Oh, She's I didn't even so, really realize that. Oh. I didn't realize that either, actually. That's oh, really, no, that's really cute. cute. Yeah. I know. Whoa, that's really fucking sweet. The, the ones he didn't want to oh. buy her, but then she just took, so he had to pay for so they didn't get in trouble for theft. For yeah. theft. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's it's really good. I love also that the... The Organas have messed with Leia by making her think she's like greeting a dignitary. Yeah. Um, and then it's just her new best friend slash weird uncle. Yeah. I feel like the Organas are going to have um, a conversation with Leia like that evening. Like, look, we will let you wear the holster. You look good in it. But like you can't have a gun yet. But number I also one, feel you like- can't have a gun yet. Number two, we don't want um, certain other senators like your uncle seeing you with the holster or else they'll ask questions yeah. about well, but you so know, us. Bale has a line where he talks about like them changing the future together or something. I can't remember the exact wording. But that is, I think, the moment where he is going to tell her that he is funding the early well, rebellion. No, um, I, I, it, and um, thank you, Charles of uh, Gold Squash and Grace for pointing this out to us. But and granted, Star Wars has a you know reputation for 
overriding the overriding canon that they shit. establish in their books and comics. But um, there's a book which Andy, you're allowed to read. Um, Leia, Princess of Alderaan by, I think, Claudia Gray. It's Claudia Gray. Yeah, by Claudia Gray, which is about a 16-year-old Leia. Well, but so wait, wait, wait. 16-year-old Leia? 16, I want to say. Okay. And she doesn't know? And she does. And, and, and there is a scene. They are in the um, uh, outpost on Crate. And ah, Bail is okay. there, and she uh, learns that Bail is a part of the rebellion. Yeah, he's he's doing he's doing more than just uh, activism in the Senate. Okay, cool. That's that's cool. Kind of funny. This is like the moment when like Bail like decides like yes, she is she she is. I'm gonna keep. I'm, I'm she is on he's, the right path. Well, and he sees Padme and her just like Obi Wan does. Yeah, I did also love this. Is this. This is a conversation I did want after the references to Hold on, Padme. there's I'm hearing I yeah, the the Yeah, I was say okay, we can keep on. The fuzz. Oh no, actually the fire department, I think. The conversation about where Obi-Wan doesn't say who Leia's parents are, but he describes Anakin and Padme to her was I think really it was a it was a really good bookend for the pre like just sort of the the Anakin Obi-Wan Padme trio may it rest in peace as Obi-Wan sort of passes the knowledge on of the fact that he knew Leia's parents to the next gener to Leia as the next generation. And yeah. Leia. another also, uh, I will say more fantastic acting from Ewan. Leia puts Lola in her holster. Yes, that which, was very which that can be a fun little way of Leia getting away with having the holster just. Yeah, it's when a droid holder. Other. It's a droid holder. Lola holster. <laughs> It's for Lola. That's so cute. Lolaster. Yeah. And know. then we then we get the <laughs> scene where Obi Wan yeah. Obi Wan's packing up his cave. Yeah, he's no longer gonna live like seemingly in direct line of sight of the Lars homestead, and or at least he's getting. It seems like he's moving. Yeah, um, but also he has gotten a new outfit that's the same as his old outfit. We talked about the Jedi robes. It really mm -hmm. committed. Yeah. He added a. Uh, a cloak that is a vest, which is an insane fashion choice. Um, it I does know. match some comic depictions of Obi-Wan in this era, which is a neat touch, but it is ugly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he. Hey. Oh, I mean, these Jedi, they, they don't, you know, all they know is homespun robes, right? Yeah. Ahsoka is the only fashion forward Jedi. Yeah. Um, that's why oh, they kicked her Ahsoka. out. When are we getting more Ahsoka stuff? That's like truly why they kicked her out. That's oh, I can't tell you that. Question. Um. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I was trying to make a joke based on the fact that I know when we're getting more yeah, Ahsoka okay. stuff. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say I'm like, if you've forgotten, I feel like you're an idiot, but I can't tell you. But yes, Ahsoka is alive. We don't know what's on, what's going on with her yet. Anyway, uh, Obi Wan uh, makes a stop on his way to his uh, new digs, which we don't see, but he's on his way to them. At um, he makes a stop at the large homestead and has a little conversation with o Owen about how he's. I honestly back did not now. realize. I did not realize that Owen never let him meet Luke, and I think that's really funny. Uh, just oh, that's as a, something that I had thought. I I mean that I that's something that I had thought from the original trilogy. Yeah, it's it's unclear whether he's ever met him before, but he, he knows who Ben Kenobi is. And so I think that's fun to see him finally. But to, given now what we know in context of the prequels and how much Obi-Wan has how much time Obi-Wan spent here because of Luke. I think it's fun that he gets to meet little 10 year old Luke and give him the Starfighter. 
toy. Yeah. And Say the thing. Yeah, he says the thing. He says it like Alec Guinness, too, which was very fun. Yeah. I um, Yeah. Like, different than he does in the prequels, the meme one. But, and then finally, Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon. Yeah. Yay. The long-awaited return. Ever. The long-awaited... And it was, you know, actually a fun fact about this is that he was supposed to show up in Revenge of the Sith and they could not work it out. Liam Neeson and George Lucas, they like the the, the schedules. They, couldn't, they could not work it out. So that's why we get Yoda explaining it instead of uh, Qui-Gon actually talking to Yoda. Yeah. In there's like deleted scenes of it, but it's it's just somebody. It's just a guy not even doing a Liam Neeson impression. It's just like the scratch vocals. Oh, my God. So it's terrible. But I will uh, so. That, yeah, we got he can we we see the sort of like we we know why Qui-Gon could do this. We had the whole Yoda arc. So we see Obi-Wan starting on that path. Yeah, I will say I was surprised to see Qui-Gon physically because when I last checked in with Qui-Gon, um, he it was the Yoda arc and he was saying that he couldn't manifest himself fully through the force because he hadn't completed the training. But I do understand that this is a you know TV show and we we, well, we need to see but him it's been in person. Years, so yeah, maybe he's he, yeah, the I think now. there's a completely canon compliant. He's a consciousness existing in the force like so the he sisters. completed. So he completed the training after dying. Yeah, yeah. I don't see why you couldn't. OK, I'll I mean, that. and and like and we will see force ghosts aren't really true ghosts. It's the term for them, but they are just sort of manifestations more than ghosts. Mm -hmm. They can interact with the physical world. Qui-Gon stands on the ground. He doesn't hover. He stands on the ground. He's essentially, he's like astral projecting from the other side, basically. Um, okay. If we, it, uh, uh, that's how I've always, uh, or uh, especially in recent, like with the way they've sort of done some stuff with force ghosts in Star Wars storytelling. I think that it, Qui-Gon just sort of exists on a different plane of like D&D. He's on a different plane and he's in the upside down. Yeah, basically, except it's it's basically Terrifying. it's like but like the good upside down. Yeah, it's just he exists in a in a realm beyond human comprehension and pure force. And and he's on the level of those priestesses from the Yoda arc. And I would I think him having learned it in the 10 years since specifically to mess with obi-wan is is fine with me took you long enough i love Liam that Mason both looked quite a bit older and exactly the same yeah and i was impressed by that like honestly the same way hayden did ewan looks the same but hayden like in the attack of the clones outfit where i'm like you are 40 but somehow i can also buy you as 19 year old anakin no um, it took me a second to believe hayden christensen but yeah Liam we also Neeson, didn't see Qui-Gon for nearly as long as we saw Hayden Christensen. Yeah, well, and, and, and I he think was a ghost. So once Hayden started acting forgiving. and doing his sort of intense forehead Anakin stare, uh, yeah. I, I bought it. Yeah. I just really, like, love Qui-Gon. You know what I mean? Yep. I really love, like, I, I, I think about this sometimes, so I'm like, who are who's my favorite character in Star Wars? And I don't want to be like, it's Qui-Gon, because he's in one thing. But still, well, he's in other stuff. But it's well, like as, I really just like Qui Gon. I as love a noted Phantom Menace defender, I'm super high on Qui Gon as a character. No, Qui Gon and is amazing. Movie. I am so excited that we're getting Qui Gon content in Tales of the Jedi. I would yes. love. I would I forgot love about that. If there's a season two, I'm like, please just have it be Qui Gon. Like, yeah, just well, so put Qui Gon all over it. 
I think we've sort of been sort of periodically discussing season two, but I think that is the setup is Obi-Wan. It would be instead of training. Yeah, it would be instead of Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor lead. It would be Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor lead. It would have to be Tatooine based because we had the adventure already and it stretches credibility too far to have Obi-Wan go off world again. After after finding his purpose at the end of this series. But if we had a Tatooine based adventure and had interspersed it with a lot of force philosophy training with Qui-Gon, I would be down for that. I still uh, would hold on to my crack theory that if if Obi-Wan is learning the the training to do force ghost i think that he would go to visit yoda that's true i'm not but well, yoda l- l- can like, go I, on a field trip yeah that's true calvin i can't say anything but i think there is a way they could interact anyway but uh, oh yeah through oh, the yeah. force well, well yeah i would absolutely um i mean like i, I it's not out of the bounds of reasonability for there to be some kind of old Jedi temple on Tatooine where that no I would hate that no you would hate that there's too much damn shit on Tatooine we talked about this how they can't decide what Tatooine is is it a bustling smuggler planet with every known outlaw in the galaxy's been there or is it the the most like boring rock only I mean there are abandoned Jedi temples you know like the entire planet of Tython isn't really used anymore even though it's the birthplace of the Jedi order it would it would bug me in particular given all the stories already said on Tatooine but I, I I see your point I think it could have been lost I think it could have been forgotten about well and it's very easy to lose something in the sand <laughs> Unless um, you have the force to find that lightsaber. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, you guys, I saw a meme that was like, how sad is it that General Grievous died before all these fucking All those Jedi lightsabers died. were sitting in the fucking path. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Um, I have to say about the episode. Yeah. Overall um, thoughts of Obi-Wan, I thought it was a very, very good TV show. A solid, like, you know, 8.5 out of 10. It met all of my sort of like things I was going to be worried about. It didn't bug me in any particularly large ways as a Star Wars story. I was a huge fan of every single actor. And I think it was easily the best of the Star Wars live action shows. Yeah, I think that, well, I obviously haven't seen a lot of the live action shows um, and I haven't seen the originals. So, haha, I think it was good. I really enjoyed it. I think that, for me, like live action has not slayed in the way that um Clone Wars slayed. Oh, and it, well, this is why now. I want to watch Rebels. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say this is why I want to watch Rebels, is because really animation is where it's at. Yeah, in Star Wars. it just slays. It's so good. And the fact that like it's crazy to me that I I am in a very unique situation where I'm like, I know a lot about Star Wars. I have a lot to say about Star Wars. I have a lot of, I've seen a lot of it. I have a lot of opinions about it, but like, I haven't seen the originals and I have a really hard time talking about Star Wars with other people because they be like, I only care about the original trilogy and then like. Yeah. A, and like I mean, the those people, prequels. those people miss out on a lot because mm-hmm. of. Well, and I mean, I I don't think we can overstate how much it was culturally dominant to hate the prequels when we were kids. Yeah, it was mostly for folks a little bit older than me and Calvin. But Mm -hmm. like those were not 
enjoyed movies by any adults we knew of any age. Yeah, I was trying to. I was trying. Except so I, like I, maybe your parents, Calvin. I'm not sure. I I I don't know your parents' opinions on my parents. Don't really like the prequels. Uh, my, I mean, my mom is a huge um, Clone Wars fan, so she likes the prequels a lot. Um, my dad has always been very very emotionally attached to the um, original trilogy. Yeah. He doesn't hate the prequels. It's not even the prequels, though. Like, I, because yeah. my thing, my favorite thing so far has been Clone Wars. I love yeah. Clone Wars. No, sorry. And I was talking, using shorthand yeah. for the pre. I was using prequels as shorthand for the era while talking about the hate for the movies. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's the hate for the movies that keeps people out of the era, which includes the excellent Clone but Wars I would, television but I'd be show. To be honest, though, I think a big part of it, too, is that people are like, I'm an adult. I'm not going to watch a cartoon. I'm not oh, going to yeah. watch yeah. 25 minute episodes or. You know, and I'm like, you are missing like quite possibly like one of like the, like the reason the the reason the prequels are redeemable, like the reason well, you can the reason get past that the, the, the reason that of the prequels. It's the reason that the three of us like Star Wars. No, Cal yeah. not, Calvin watched it later, but like I, I didn't my, get into Star Wars until I, the Clone Wars yeah. until I saw the Clone Wars. Okay, yeah, I, Clone I, Wars is the reason that I like Star Wars. Okay, I, I always liked Star Wars, but like I, I didn't love Star Wars. I didn't love yeah. Star Wars until I saw Clone yeah. Wars. I didn't want to claim it for you. Yeah, well, because early quarantine was when I first um, watched. No, no, I had seen, I, I had seen the Clone Wars before, but like bits and pieces. But then I early quarantine happened, and then I decided, you know what, I'm gonna get into Star Wars because I liked the Mandalorian. So I'm going to get into the Clone Wars again and watch it all again. And then I'm going to watch Rebels and then I'm going to. Yeah, because I watched Rebels in our dorm room and you were not anywhere near caught. You were not following along. But, yeah. but just back to the like. So we have three different like uh, people now. So I my love of Star Wars as like a thing I was really into continuing beyond being like a small child was sparked by it being on every week on Cartoon Network for most of my like young like adolescence and that's where i like th those are the characters i got attached to and then calvin has the same thing happen and then we do the same thing to you so i i totally agree that that uh animation is probably i think the medium that star wars is best suited for yeah i mean yeah. star wars it pops off in clone wars it pops off in bad batch and i think the my so and, th and that was my fear sort of going into obi-wan is i was like well you know it's it's live action so it's just not going to be as good and i don't want to be like it's equal because their action is going to have but like this was the best thing that i've seen live action so far yeah and i think I a big part of that is just the performance of the actors it's certainly so the best phenomenal. made like mm -hmm. yeah like because the, the prequels are gorgeous looking they have a lot of concepts there's a lot of potential there and then there are a bunch of sort of like confusing decisions and letdowns even in <laughs> movies that i enjoy I, it's so funny like there are moments where i'm like why did you do that yeah it's <laughs> why? i mean that, but that's george lucas filmmaking he's all that's how you get the great stuff is you have to accept the bumps but he refines it in clone wars and that's why we get such like because nearly every major idea of Clone Wars in the entire series is a George Lucas idea. But I agree with you that this is like probably whole of like filmmaking considered the best, even though they really need to crank the brightness up a little bit. That wasn't as bad as um, Game of Thrones season eight. No, definitely. Three. No, I'm not as Game, not of, Thrones Game of Thrones level. Is famous for that where this is like you can tell what's going on. I'm just like, eh, it's not as dynamic as I'd like it to be. 
yeah. because I'm spoiled by Star Wars animation, honestly. Yeah. But uh, I know. I know. And we speaking are of that, that's a good segue into the future of the podcast post Kenobi. So, yeah. So next week on Star Wars, the first Star Wars, the first steps go podcast. Back. Go back. Um, let's <laughs> rewind. Steps, a first wars podcast. <laughs> Please do not confuse wars. me anymore. Uh, next time, next week on first steps, the Star Wars podcast. We're not going to be watching anything. We're just going to have a little a fun little little check in moment uh, with our host. We'll uh, we'll get some thought uh, some of Andy's thoughts on on the series thus far. Uh, this is a pretty good point for that. And also myself and Wyatt are going to have a little moment where we are talking about dirty, rotten spoilers. Yeah. And what we think about Andy. Yeah. And we'll throw up a warning for folks that are like following along with us. Yeah. So they Although can dip if, out if, of that. If you're a rare person like Andy following along in that order, then more power to you. But also don't listen to that. We'll we'll um, we'll put up a spoiler warning. We did it before, yeah, so yeah. it'll be fun. But then um, we're coming then, back. Yeah, we're going on a we're we're gonna take a break because we have been uh running ourselves pretty hard trying to uh get all of this stuff out in, in time for Kenobi. So we'll be back while, while two of us were moving. While honestly. two of us were moving, yeah. Um we'll be back in August where we will be watching Rebels season one. Yes. So yeah, we are we are not going to be doing um Andor or Bad Batch live like we did Kenobi. We kind of wanna get on to Rebels. We're gonna do Rebel season one, and then we're just going to do Andor and then Bad Batch and then Rebel season two, because Andor takes place in the same year as Rebel season one. So it'll be really fun to juxtapose those two. And, and then obviously Bad once Bad Batch, we, we, we should probably backstep for that. So yeah, Bad Batch breaks our chronological order and it was always going to because yeah. that's how TV production works. But also Bad Batch deals with like so many of our ongoing things that we have to get back to it. Like, yeah, we well, cannot does, deprive Andy of the clones. It does seem like it will have there's like a time skip from where they are. So I'm hoping that. Did we not think that? I thought I thought Omega definitely looked one older. To two, like, one to two years at most. So, I think. so it, it, it'll we'll be going back, you know, like seven or eight years, but not too long. And definitely no, still and the Imperial. Yeah. Era. Yeah. Still the Imperial era, era, just like earlier. So it won't be too. I think we're going to still deal with like the establishment of stormtroopers versus stories we'll be seeing now where stormtroopers are just a thing. Yeah, but that's yes. the only sort of I think that's the only difference we'll see, because it's definitely the vibes of the Imperial era will still be there. Yeah, it's I mean, like, like the yeah. the, Imper the Empire got the vibes right by the end of Bad Batch season one. So it, yeah. it you know, made sense in Solo and in Kenobi that it was this way. But we get to further develop that in Bad Batch season yep. two. We I'm excited. And Gundy I, comes back. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm excited. I don't. I don't think it'll be too weird. It's not like there's gonna. There's been some huge event. No. That we're like, because that would be crazy. Like that would be hard to go back to something like that happened before Order sixty six. Because it's like no, you know, like yeah. there's no major event. So yeah, just messing around in like like years, which are already kind of weird. I also think it's it's it works better for a non. Skywalker story related thing. Yeah. Like yeah. like going back to young even younger Luke or Leia or any of the characters that are attached to them right now would be a little weird. But because it's just our boys and Omega, like I feel like it it works to just like go back and see what they were doing. 
I did kind of like accidentally spoil. I don't know if this is spoil. I actually, this is speculation. I, cause I was looking at rebels just at the little picture that they have of the, the lead characters. Um, I think that the Twi'lek is, um, I think she's in bad batch. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. One of the lead, uh, one of the, the lead like characters. That, I was like that green girl. I was like, I've definitely seen her before. But I was like, but also Twilight's like Loki, all look the same. So I don't want to be like, it's definitely <laughs> her. Wow, Andy with the space <laughs> racism takes. Holy well, shit! No, it's not really. It's not really space racism as well, much as they don't animate them that different. Yes. Well, and also. Twi'leks are one of the most like the base Twi'lek model in animation is copy pasted all the time. Yeah. So they genuinely do actually look all the same because they're using the same model the for same all the background model. characters. So I don't know. And like, it's obviously the animation is yeah. different. So I'm like, I can't really tell. I also thought the girl was I was like, that's that girl's uh from she's on Mandalore during the siege. And I was like, no, she isn't. I was like, this is a teenager. She couldn't possibly have been there. But I thought it. So I could be wrong, and I feel I like you, your so, reactions. I'm so pumped for your rebels takes. I, I, I <laughs> rebels. I will say rebels. This is a biased thing. Rebels is my favorite Star Wars show. Uh, I'm really I think excited. It, I think it edges out Clone Wars just by a bit, even with the addition of the Clone Wars finale. I'm, I'm quite attached to the rebels characters, and I'm so excited we're finally getting there. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to see like what. Actually, yeah. This is a good tease. Sorry, Andy. This is a good tease. You talked about your favorite Star Wars character, like who you were thinking is. I'm pretty sure my favorite Star Wars character is in Rebels. Oh, that's and cool. Is a, and is an original character created for Rebels. Guys, I just still don't know. I don't. I, I really want to solidify that. Like, I don't know if Qui-Gon is my favorite. So please don't yeah, no, like quote I'm me not, on that. I'm, no, I I'm, understand. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? Just so that we're clear, I am not sure because I also really like Ventress and I'd be thinking about her a lot. So I don't want I don't yeah. want you guys to be like Qui-Gon Stan Andy because I'm also but I'm also out here like show me the bad batch, you know, Star Wars so. has a excellent slate of wonder of diverse characters who all come, you know, all do different things in the universe. And they're all my favorite. Honda was my favorite. Ventress is my favorite. R2 is your favorite. R2 is my favorite. one is my favorite. <laughs> bd1 did you you got your pre-order in right for the lego i did i got my pre-order in and it will be shipping on august 1st and i will be so happy I'm excellent anyway thanks um, for listening guys. Oh, anyway um, yeah fantastic. thanks for listening it's been really um, fun covering kenobi live it's been really fun experiencing star wars live with this group wait can we shout out the guy who told us to read his book can we be like oh, yeah, if mike you're listening? chen oh yeah mike, hey, chen. mike chen well when you eventually listen to this if Thanks you're for listening. interacting with us on Twitter. We are, yeah. we, uh, this is really fun. Um, yeah, I haven't got to read Brotherhood yet, but everything I see about it makes me want to. So as soon as I get my library card, I'm going to. Here's the thing, Mike Chen. I'm going to read Brotherhood and I'm definitely going to be I'm going to tell you if I think it's better or as good as Dark Disciple or not. And uh, <laughs> I don't know you, so, so I'm funny. not going to hold back my opinion man he's okay just to be clear I, from what i know of uh mike chen on twitter he's a he's a really nice guy and has been awesome in his interactions yeah. with the fandom um and i'm really, just joshing guys yeah. i think i'm no funny. but also i will say it's cool uh 
recently with High Republic and some of the other novels, there's been some new authors rather than Star Wars mm-hmm. is sort of stable of authors that write books. And he's one of them. And it's super cool to get him to see him write his first Star Wars book. And all I've heard about it is great things. So, yeah. And actually, I feel like it it will fit really nicely with reading after Kenobi, having seen the Attack of the Clones era Master Padawan flashbacks and thinking about that relationship of Obi-Wan and Anakin. So I'm pumped. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. See you guys next time for our host check in. May the force be with you. Thanks, Mike Chen. Swag. Swag. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>